All right, let's begin this morning. I'm glad to see all of you here this morning. Don't you love it when it gets quiet in a building, everybody? Mm, No. This morning, this series is on what are you hoping for? Uh, Hope is here. And uh, we we talked about this uh, last week, and and I want to bring it back to your attention, especially if you were not able to be here. Can I just remind you that our um, eternal hope is in what Jesus did for us on the cross. Uh, That because he died for us, our sins can be forgiven. And the Bible says in John 3.16, because of that event, because of his sacrifice, then we have everlasting life if we put our trust, we put our belief in him. Now, now think about that this morning. It is such an important decision to realize, but sometimes we take it for granted, and maybe you've made that decision, and you said, you know, because I really received Jesus into my life of what he did for us, that I can live forever with him. That's our eternal, everybody say it, hope. You have to have faith. And last week, let me sum up last week's service, is that Inside of love, love generates hope. You cannot love something or someone without the hope of the best for them to be able to see it, to be able to come from what is being hoped for into actually the physical realm. Then we also talked about faith. And without hope, you can't have faith. Because again, in Hebrews chapter 11, faith is being sure of the things we hope for and certain of the things we do not see. As soon as you see it, as soon as you have it, it ceases to be faith anymore. That, that makes sense, doesn't it? Now, as we're on the subject of faith, love, and hope, and we've been specializing on this word hope, how important is it for you and I to realize there's something that sometimes is missing in our life, and it's called hope. If you go for very long without hope, you see people that will fall into depression. They'll they'll get into a place where they can't see any more light. They want to stay in the darkness. And and some of us that have never experienced that, you'll say, Oh, just come on, get out of that. You know, that's that old mindset of there's nothing really wrong with you. But a person that is without hope, It's almost like they gradually slip into a place of depression. This morning, I don't want any of us to do that. And and to see the point of what I'm making today in the Word of God, how important hope is. We overlook hope because we see love. We overlook hope because we see faith. But hope is right there so important for us. You could say today I want to talk about a byproduct of hope that sustains us while we're continually hoping for the thing that God is bringing towards us. Let me say it again. I'm going to talk about a byproduct of hope. Here's what I'm going to say. is when we're hoping for something and then we have faith for something, what sustains us in the journey That byproduct is what we're going to talk about this morning. 
it's something that I never have seen in this light before, and hopefully that you'll see it like I did. And at the end of the day, you don't. I have no clue what he was going for. That's not ever what I hope to do during my sermons, just for your information. The byproduct that sustains us on the journey is joy. Because if you've ever set a goal in your life, and, and let me just say uh, uh, one word, or it's, it's really a few words, New Year's resolutions. See, well, what's going through your mind? I never keep those. I never do those. Because a lot of times we lose the joy in the journey of accomplishing something or waiting for the thing that we're hoping for. Now, now again, let's not go too deep yet, but I want you to see this with me. Again, a ripple effect of hope, it's joy. We're not on a sprint in this world. You know that as well as me. That it's a long distant race, as Paul says in Hebrews chapter 12, and we're running that race and we need to throw off all the stuff that entangles us, the sin, and, and we know that, we've, we've studied that. But at the same time, what I want us to go at is a lot of times on the long distant life journey that we go, sometimes we miss, we miss things because we're hoping for something out there while it's going on right now in our life. A lot of times we can't enjoy today because we've been taught that we can't have the joy until we get to the completion of whatever we're hoping for. That, that until we cross the finish line, and, and while we're running the race, we begin to look to the right and to the left, and we begin to compare ourselves, which again steals the joy of the journey of what we're hoping for. See, God places in our heart that there is more, that He's the God of not just enough, but the God of more than enough. And that gets us excited and full of hope, but in sustaining that hope, because again, a long journey, I don't know about you, but if you've ever been a child and then you've ever had children, you did the same thing. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there? Don't ask me again. Because we're looking for the destination. And we have this disease called the destination disease. And and until we get to that destination, we can't be happy. And watch this. This is what robs us of what we're hoping for because we'll lose energy and hoping and putting our faith in what God has given us in the future and what he's bringing about in developing us. This morning, before I pray and we begin a little bit more, let, let me just let me say that this is so important for us to, to get a hold of this, the whole subject of hope. So would you pray with me? God, I, I pray that today that we would have uh, our hearts ready, that we would have fertile soil to be able to plant your word into our hearts that we might have a harvest, God, not just 30, not just 60, but God, a hundredfold of what, God, you're giving us today, that we might change behavior, change habits, that we might see things different, have paradigm changes for your glory. In your name we pray, amen. You know, I have three sons, uh, 
and their name isn't any, many, and mighty mo or whatever. You know, they're, they're Luke and Heath and, and Mark, and, and uh, we have a lot of fun together. And, and uh, we, we bought two dogs, and they happened to be female. And, uh, you know, we're, we're out there and watch them. And, and one day, a little chihuahua shows up. Now, we live way out in the country. We live so far out that the June bugs get there about July. And, and, and people think that when they're done with their dogs, instead of taking them to the, you know, the, the pound where things happen, unmentionable things, that they decide they're going to take them out into the country and let them go. So a lot of times we'll see a lot of strays. Well, one day we're out there and we're in the backyard talking and, and a little chihuahua shows up. And, and we called him Pierre because... He would show up and kind of say, hello, ladies, I'm here, <laughs> you know. And, and so we, we, we called the dog pound. Well, the dog pound doesn't come that far out to our neighborhood. So, of course, a bunch of geniuses that we are, we came up with the idea we might as well pass on the blessing. So Luke, Heath, and Mark picked up Pierre, and they took him about a mile off and dropped him off at another neighborhood. When they were pulling up to the house, Pierre was soon coming right behind them. And they were like, what? I said, guys, come on. You can't do that. You, you've got to take him, you know, way out and drive around in circles to get him losing his, you know, bearings and and go right a little while and go left a little while. Keep going and then let him out. And so they picked him up, and off they went in the car, and, and they drove and drove. And about an hour later, I was worried about him. I went, what in the world? Luke called me and said, Dad, did, the, did Pierre show back up at the house? About that time, I looked out the window. <laughs> Here he come, right down the driveway. <laughs> he says, what? He got home? And I said, yeah. Luke says, could you put him on the phone? We need directions back to the house. <laughs> All right, now that you're back, let's, let's get into this. This morning, what are you hoping for? If you don't know what you're hoping for, you don't know what you're living for. Can I tell you? If you don't know what you're hoping for, you don't even know what you're living for. And when it hits you, you go, oh, well, that was kind of nice. But I, what? I didn't even know that that was a possibility. And a lot of times we go through life and we do make accomplishments, but we just look for the next accomplishment. And then later on in our life we go, you know, what was it all for? I have a lot of accomplishments, but I really didn't slow down enough to enjoy the journey that I was on. See, let me say this. The key to a joyful life is to enjoy where you are while you Get to where you're hoping to be. Take time. Sometimes you need to just sit down and smell the roses, so to speak. Think about it this way. Take time to just appreciate the blessings in your life while you're waiting and hoping for where God is bringing you to the next level. It's so important. You know... Uh, I thought about this this week, and I began to think about it. And, and the process of the wait, 
the process of what we go for in what we're hoping to become or what God has promised in your life personally and given you a vision for and you you say God you're a good God and you start putting your hope in something and therefore you can have faith for that thing it might be healing it might be getting out of debt that you thought there's no way that I would ever have financial freedom but God has so much wisdom that he can guide you and direct you out of that so it's health or your finances it could be relationships I never thought I'd get married. I never thought I would have children. I never, whatever it is in your relationships. But it's in the process. And, and do you remember the show that used to be, I think it on channel 13 around here, it was called Antique Roadshow. Every once in a while I'd watch that and I'd be coming in, wow. And, and let's just say this shell that I have in my office was one of those items that you would bring to one of these experts. And, and a lot of times people would find something up in their attic from great-grandmother or, or somewhere, and they would bring this, and they would say, you know, I, I've kind of had it in a box upstairs, and I never really thought. And they'd look at that, and they'd say, do you know what you have? That was George Washington's shell, you know, or something like, what? And then right after they figure out that it's something special, what was the next thought in their mind? How much does it cost? How much money is it worth? And those guys a lot of times would say, you know, it's worth one gazillion dollars, you know, whatever it is. And those people would be like, are you kidding me? Now, let me just tell you this. Would, do you think that those people went home and put it back up in their attic in the box? Oh, no, 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 no. They would take it home probably and put it on a, a shelf high up so that everybody could see it. So when they came by, they go, that's an interesting shell. Let me tell you about that shell. That's a George Washington shell. You see all these places where George Washington slept? He slept with his shell right there. That's what that guy said. Now, all of a sudden, something that didn't seem valuable to you, valuable, would change almost immediately on what somebody else would say about it. And then there would be a process that would go on in your mind that you'd say, it's valuable. I don't want to hurt it. I don't want to lose it. If somebody gave me a big oh, I don't know, they'd value it. Okay. Now, what if somebody else of equal status to that expert on the antique roadshow would show up in your life and go, oh, so sorry. So sorry. That's not George Washington shell. They'd say, that's John Miller shell. And you'd say, who's that? <laughs> now, it's up here on a place of honor, a place of value to you. Until somebody tried to talk you into that it really wasn't what you thought it was. And then all of a sudden you're tempted to put it back up in the attic in a box where you never see it. And nobody else asks you about it. That's what a lot of times we have been told in our life. And, it, and it's, a, it's a report I believe, of the enemy, not to value where you are right now, but just put value on the accomplishment that's ahead of you. To forget about all of this that God has brought into your life, the thing that you hope for now becomes ordinary, and what has become ordinary, eh, everybody has something like that. Therefore, it becomes, over time, a, a kind of a... a 
a toxic thing that builds up that now I really don't want to hope for something because it takes too long. You know, I, I read a book and, and it began to make sense on, on this subject. And so many times we get to the place where we say, I have to do this. But if you change your verbiage just around just a little bit to, I get to do this. I want to encourage you to do something. And, and if you don't do it tomorrow morning, you probably will forget to do it the next day and the next day. But as many days as you can to take out a notebook, you could buy a very expensive notebook or you can get a cheese wrapper and write on it. But tomorrow, write down on something two things that you're thankful for. Two things. The next day, two more things that you're thankful for. The next day, two more things that you're thankful for. And here's what I want you to do. Is see those things that are seemingly so common that you have in your life that you think, eh, they're ordinary. You know, my husband gets on my last nerve. I bet you get on his nerve too. Those children, boy, I tell you, I got to clean up after them. I know you can change your verbiage to, I get to clean after my children. See, what seems to be common to a lot of people are really extraordinary things that they're overlooking. You know, I talk to one lady and she says, well, if my husband is of value, I could give you his phone number if you would like to call him. That will give me joy. No, that's not what I'm talking about today. Pastor, it's Monday and I have to go to work. I get to go to work because there's a lot of people that don't even have the kind of job that I have. Pastor, in this area, I tell you what, every time I get my car, it is at least 30 minutes somewhere. I just hate traffic. Let me encourage you. Because I, I, I get there too. I, I have problems in waiting. i just be transparent with you. But have you ever got to a place where your GPS said that you're five minutes away? And then all of a sudden it said 15 minutes away because something happened up in front of you? And then you thought, how far is that? That's two miles. I could get out of my truck and I could run faster than I... Just do that one time and you'll appreciate your, your vehicle. You'll say, this traffic really doesn't bother me one bit in this air-conditioned vehicle where I can listen to the radio. I get to sit in traffic in my vehicle. You know, Pastor, I, I, I can't tell you, I have to clean my house this week. All you have to do is ask some of these newly married couples how valuable a house is now. And if you haven't checked the sticker price of a new house or just a house that what you might have considered as now as an older person as a starter home, it will make you appreciate what you have now. Not only do I get to clean my house, but it is a wonderful house that I get to sleep in. Every night. See, here's what, again, I want to bring you to. What you were hoping for, what, what you were hoping for that brought you the husband or the wife. 
See, you were hoping for a husband or wife. I was hoping, and now I have a husband or wife. I was hoping to have children. Nobody's promised children, but boy, I was hoping to have some children. Now I have children. I was, I was hoping to get a good job. Now you have a good job. You know, the day where you were 15 and you couldn't wait to drive, and then you got your license, you thought, what good is it? I don't even have a car. What you were hoping for, a car, now you have a car. The day that you were in an apartment or in a rented, you said, I can't wait to have my own house. What you were hoping for, now you have a house. You can look at the things that you at one time were hoping for, and watch this, and joy will come over your life of what God has blessed you with in the middle of this, what we call a long-distance race of life. If you turn with me to Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, here's Paul talking, and he's under the anointing of the Holy Spirit while he's writing Philippians. And he says this in verse 8, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, watch what he says. If, keyword, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, why does he say if? If you have to look for the good, to have joy, joy while you're waiting on what you're hoping for, all of a sudden there's a, there's a sense that I can hope for something bigger. Why? Because during the wait, during the process, during the time that a lot of people give up, you have something that will sustain you while God, what, what the thing you're hoping God will bring into your life, it'll sustain you during what you're hoping for. Now, why is this so important? Again, let me remind you that in this whole race that we call life is God says, I have something better for you. I have something great for you. And you are blessed, not just to enjoy the blessing, but to be a blessing. See, even as believers, even as Christians, a lot of times what we do is we don't, we don't stand out in a crowd, which is wrong. We should be the people that is speaking love, speaking joy to people. And when they're around us, they go, you know, there's just something different. And they're not talking because we have a loose screw. Or that we're just, you know, eh, on everybody. But that we're bringing life where we're going. Amen, Pastor John, on that one. Nailed it on that one. Years ago, uh, one of the bigger newspapers in the country did a study on what would happen if we, they brought the extraordinary into a common situation or an ordinary situation. They would take something that was uncommon, something that was almost unbelievable, and put it into a very ordinary situation. So what they did is a, a test is they, they brought in this maestro, and he was one of the greatest violin players of all time. He was a child prodigy as he started. People would travel literally hundreds of miles and pay hundreds of dollars just to sit in the coliseums where he would play. His violin was a 17th century Stradivarius, which was worth over $4 million. 
And they took this maestro and they put him in a very ordinary, very extraordinary guy, talented, just dripping with, you know, amazement for everybody that would listen to him. And they, would, they took him and they put him in a very common place in a subway. For 45 minutes, he stood there with a baseball hat on, some jeans on, and he played that $4 million violin. And people, they, they counted 1,100 people in 45 minutes passed him by as he played the classics. Only seven people stopped long enough to just listen. So, because they were a newspaper, they were geniuses. I'm making fun. They came up with the consensus of the study is that when you put something extraordinary in somewhere that is ordinary, you put an uncommon thing in a common situation, people overlook it. They they stopped a few of the people going by and they said, I'm just so busy and I've got something. They were focused on where they were going that they missed hearing the music that was being played. Now think about this, if they came up with that consensus, is that possibly what you and I have a tendency to do? See, we're busy, we're in a hurry, we're focused on maybe even what is wrong with today instead of what is right. We get in a hurry so much that we have to ask ourselves, what are we missing? What are we missing? Now this morning I want you to see this in action in Luke chapter 24. And it's a story that we often titled the road to Emmaus because after the crucifixion of Jesus there's two disciples and they're leaving Jerusalem they're going back to their home in Emmaus and the Bible in Luke chapter 24 describes their attitudes or their their emotions as they were downcast they, they were just ah the crucifixion had just happened. They, they were sad because Jesus was dead. All their hope was gone. And what they had hoped for, they were focused on just what the negative was. And if you read this, this is an amazing story that God put right there in His Word, I believe, to prove this point. Is that on the road back to their house... On the journey back to their house, God shows up and begins to walk with them. But they don't even know that it's Jesus. They're so focused on the current events, their their lives, and all that had not yet manifest, so to speak, in the physical realm. They were hoping that Jesus was the Messiah. They were hoping that they missed it. And here's Jesus, and he begins to walk alongside of them. And on the way home, he begins to explain the Old Testament and how the plan of God was already in the process that he would come, the Messiah would come and have to die. Now listen, they were called disciples. A disciple is a disciplined learner. And they're disciples, and they'd heard Jesus speak on this, but now after the effect of the crucifixion, they totally missed it. Not only did they miss the plan that God had for mankind, that Jesus would come and down the cross, that our sins would be forgiven, but they missed the fact that walking right beside them was Jesus. 
the creator of the universe. More important than any violinist in a subway. And the Bible says that as he walked, he began to speak to them. And, and, and they began to listen. And then it says at a moment, their eyes were open when he began to the break the bread later when he would come in to eat with them at their house. That their eyes were open. And then Jesus left. Now, now watch this. There, there's so many parallels to this in our life that we're on a journey. That God has explained to us the process of our life and to have hope and love and, and, and hope and love and hope and love. And then what? Faith in what he has said. But so many times we miss it because we're focusing on what is wrong and why we don't have what God has promised us in what we're hoping for. I don't have a wife. God, you promised me a wife. I don't have a husband. I don't have a job that I, you know, I feel like I'm in a dead-end job. And as you're waiting, you're missing what God's doing around you. You know, not too long ago, and I preach it at least once a year, on Isaiah chapter 30 where it says that God desires to be good to you. And he lifts himself up. What? And blessed are those that look long and expect for him to show up in their life. And there's something about that verse that just ignites in me every time that somebody talked me out. Just like I use that illustration of the shell. Oh, that's not very valuable. That they've talked me out of the things that God has given me already in my life as extreme value. Valuable and things that I should be full of joy about. Because all I can do is wait for the next thing. And so I'm looking and longing and expecting God to show up to give me what I'm hoping for instead of showing up and sharing with me the wonders of what He's already done in my life. Let me again mention something to you that will maybe trigger the rectacular activating system in your brain, which is nothing more than suggesting something that now you begin to look for. That we begin to pray, God, open my eyes that I don't miss the miracle of the moment. See, we don't recognize because we don't see and we don't believe that we're in an extraordinary time in our life. You know, Gwen and I are blessed to have four children. And at this time, I sometimes bump her and I go, look, look at Malachi, our grandson. Or look at Alexander. Look, Luke is back in the sound booth. Brooke's up here playing. And I, these are the golden days for the Millers. And I don't want to miss it because one day God will have maybe a purpose that uh, ministry for them somewhere else besides the chapel. And I don't, want to, I don't want to say, I was so busy in my own life that I didn't appreciate the days that we could all go to church together. I said a couple weeks ago that everybody looks back on their life and says, I wish I was this 20 or 30 
But you realize that today you'll never be this young again. And next five years, you'll look back and go, I wish I was five years back. Enjoy today. See, see, I've seen people and they go, you know, I really can't remember my 20s because my children were so expensive. Boy, they, I just running them everywhere. They were all over the place. You know, my 30s, you know, work was hard. And who would have ever imagined 9 to 11? You know, that was a lot of pressure. In my 40s, let me tell you, we were so in debt. All we could do is Taco Bell on Sunday night. That was our big night out. I don't know, I was just so in debt. In my 50s, I had a health issue. Now, the doctor only said it was a procedure, but boy, that was a surgery. Then in my 60s, let me tell you, who would have known COVID-19 would have showed up and just changed everything? And now it's my 70s, and let me tell you, it's been so hot this year, and we can't get a win for the Cowboys to save our life. I'm preaching good news, so in the 80s, everything turned around, and now I can see the truth. What do you hope for? Last week, we talked about inside love. Love, inside love is generated the hope. But listen, in, you can't have faith without hope. But here today is the byproduct of why we're waiting, why we're waiting for what God is bringing in our life, our hope, that we enjoy and experience the joy of the Lord while we wait. Don't miss the enjoyment of the journey. Slow down and enjoy the journey. Now watch this. I'll say it again. The key to joyful life is to enjoy where you are while you get to where you're hoping to be. Again, take time to appreciate the blessings in your life as you wait for the new thing and the new things that God has in store for you. Here's what I know. That as we put our hope in what God is bringing about, then we have faith for things that we do not see, we're just hoping for them. And there's a time, and in, in the what we've talked about in the past is the, the, the power twins, faith and patience, because it takes sometimes years to wait and be patient for what we put our faith in. So in that journey, we watch what we say in our confessions. And in doing that, we watch how fear tries to come into our life and the enemy says, you're not going to accept that. Or let me say, the fear of the enemy comes in and says, you're not going to get what God has promised you and what you're hoping for and what you're having faith for. But listen to me. This today is what we miss, is what fights against that on an hourly basis is being thankful for what God has already brought into our lives that we've hoped for in the past. Because fear will always get you to look back on your life and say, "Say you made this mistake, you did this, you didn't get that accomplished, and you didn't get reach that goal. Instead of walking in a new identity, and again, you have made that decision to walk as a, a new believer if you made a commitment to Jesus Christ. But all of a sudden, you have a new identity and not the old identity. You have a new self and not the old self. 
But it's in being the new self that we're going from glory to glory. He's changing me. And part of that transformation that the word of God, as it comes into our life, it reminds us of how much God has done for us. Because once you forget that, once you miss that, you begin to question who he is and what he says and who he says you are in him. I could say that 15 different ways, but I trust that you're going to take that and understand that. Tomorrow morning when you get up, begin a new process. What are the two things today that I'm thankful for? And if you're like me, I'll, I'll say something like, I, I'm, you know, I'll start out, I'm thankful for Gwen and I'm thankful for my children. Now, six weeks later, I'm thankful for Gwen's ability to love me. You know what I mean. You begin to get a little bit more focused instead of just being thankful for a big idea. Now I'm thankful for my children live close enough that I can see them every week, every day if I want to. And again, when you become thankful, the joy of the Lord starts welling up inside of you. And it gives you energy to wait a little longer for what God has put in your heart that you're having faith in what you're hoping for. Let's pray. Father, today, I, I, I pray that God, that, that, that you would open up our eyes. That God, that you are right beside us walking on the journey with us. And sometimes we miss that because we're just waiting. We're just focused on what you have done. You know, what you've said in our life that you're bringing about in the future that we're hoping for. The God that we value our children, not just because that we have to clean up for them or we have to, that they're expensive, but God, that we have children that you have given us. Father, our jobs, our, our vehicles, everything that you blessed us with, it got even deeper. God, the, the love that other people have for us and that we have for them. God, the ability to be able to, to be here at the chapel in a free country. God, we're thankful. And Father, we know that, God, as you walked beside us in the past, you're going to continue because you have said that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. Father, today I pray as we come to the end of this message that we would not lose sight. God, that you're always with us. In your name we pray. Amen. Wow, what a great connection with hope and thanksgiving, huh? So grateful for the word that we have, and uh, hope does sustain us. We're so grateful for uh, the word of the Lord on that. Well, there's some great things coming up. First of all, if you're a first-time guest, there's a card right in front of you. If you would fill that out, um, it gives us an opportunity to connect with you. So, uh, so grateful for our guests that are here with us today, and we're thankful for our regular attenders as well. Um, there's some things coming up that I want to share with you. Um, tomorrow night is our fall outreach right at Axiom Coffee. So come be a part of that from 6 to 9. Pop in and be a part of that. If you'd like to volunteer, um, you can check with Brooke 
and uh, she's putting together some teams for uh, serving tomorrow night. We've got some great volunteers that are already on board, and we appreciate those of you that have volunteered. If you've donated already toward this event, we appreciate it so much. Some of you have donated candy. Some have donated cash. You can still do that on your way out as uh, the ushers are there to serve you, or you can always give online as well. Um, this is a, a really great season. Um, on this Saturday coming up, there's a men's breakfast. So all of you men, we want you to enjoy the time to connect right here in the main building at 8.30 for the breakfast. We have some great cooks in the church, and some of them are male. So uh, come be a part of that, that men's breakfast this coming uh, Saturday, November 5th. Also, there's a women's Bible study right here in the main building on Tuesday nights. We're studying the book of Proverbs, so be a part of that study as well at 6.30 on Tuesday nights. I'd like to encourage you, if you have not yet given to Pleasant Hills Children's Home, the Orphanage uh, Children's Home, uh, many of them are, are not adoptable, and so... Um, for that reason, we want to just bless them and fill their pantry. It's one of this October every year is the month that we focus on uh, filling the pantry for our children's home along with some other area churches. So we'd love for you to be a part of that and give um, by today. You can do that online or you can give in cash um, or by check before you leave today. And we do appreciate your generosity. Thank you for your regular giving and supporting the ministry of this church as we are uh, regularly supporting our missionaries that are international and then also local missions as well, such as Pleasant Hills Children's Home and others. So we appreciate your faithfulness in that area. Together, we're doing more, aren't we? There's more that we can accomplish when we're all unified and uh, supporting God's program and his kingdom work. Why don't you stand with me? May the Lord bless you today as you go. Have a great week ahead. We'll see you tomorrow night at the outreach.